Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Brooke Lively, CEO of Cathedral Capital. Brooke, welcome to the program. Thanks, Alay. It's great to be here. It's great having you on the air finally. And a quick question for you, Cathedral Capital. How did you come up with that name? Yeah, so it's a bad name. I need to change the name. But, you know, at this point, it's so hard to do that. Um, In my previous life, I was going to start a hedge fund and had a partner. And we had come up with the name Cathedral Capital because there's this hike that I've gone on a lot in Colorado up to Cathedral Lake. And it just sounded like the best thing ever. And so we had a URL for it. And um, I ended up not doing that. But I had to have a company and I had to have it fast. And I owned a URL. So now I'm stuck with it. (laughs) Then you used it and you were off and running. And what was it that drove you to start your company? You know, it was really people asking me to start it. I was a part of a group and we had hired someone to help with sales and marketing. And his clients kept coming to me and saying, can you do for us what you're doing for your family? And what I was doing for my family was serving as the CFO of their law firm and running it by the numbers, which... I didn't realize that so few attorneys did or that they had quite the angst around numbers that a lot of them have. Yeah, there's a, a lot of you know maybe fear, intimidation, ignorance, whatever you want to call it, around running your firm based on numbers. And there's six key numbers that you focus on, Brooke. What are those numbers and why do they matter? Well, we really kind of looked at the different parts of your law firm and and we said there are all these different things and each part has a key number. So the first part is cash. We all know that cash is, you know, lifeblood to your firm. And the key number there is really your cash flow forecast. How much cash are you going to have at the end of every week for the next six to eight weeks? The second thing that we really looked at were what are the ideal ratios in your law firm? And while there are a lot of them, the one that we care about the most is the total owner compensation. How much are you making? Are you benefiting from your law firm financially? And then as we kept thinking about about a law firm, we're like, okay, production, how work moves through. So there are all kinds of things you can look at production, but what we really want to look at is work in progress because this month's work is next month's revenue in most hourly-based billing firms, right? You work it in June, it gets billed and collected in July. And then we started looking at marketing and sales. And the key number there is really sales call booked because the sales calls you have this month are the new clients you have next month, which means it's the revenue the month after. So we're starting to look a little further ahead in, in planning for things. Brooke, I'm going to stop you right there because I can, I guess, based on conversations I've had with my clients that they may already be freaking out a little bit. And they're one of the, one of the big things they're concerned about is, oh my gosh, you mean I actually have to forecast how much cash I'm going to have week by week for the next few weeks? I have no idea how to do that. 
How would you respond? When you, and I'm sure you've never gotten that before. Oh, I've never gotten that. <laughs> Hire a stinking bookkeeper. Here's the thing. You are billing out anywhere between $300 and $500 an hour. I promise you, you can hire a bookkeeper for less than that. The bookkeeper can do your books and can do your cash flow forecasting faster and more accurately than you can in substantially less time. So let's say you bill out at $300 an hour and you find a bookkeeper at $75 an hour. If you go bill one hour, you're paying for four of your bookkeeper's hours. That's a great trade. One for four all day long. I will make that trade. And what are some of the things they should be looking for in a really good bookkeeper? You want someone who has attention to detail. You want someone who does what we call continuous accounting. So you want them to touch your books at least once a week. Um, QuickBooks certified is always good. Certified in your practice management software is also good. So if you find, for example, a bookkeeper that is both QuickBooks certified and Clio certified, then they're going to be able to manage that sync really well, which is going to make their job and ultimately your job easier. Yeah. And I want to just reinforce a point that you just mentioned here, Brooke, because I've seen so much the opposite with with attorneys I've spoken with. So for all you attorney entrepreneurs that are listening, take a note of this. Brooke said the bookkeeper should be touching your books once a week, not once a quarter, not even once a month. You're laughing, but I am laughing, (laughs) but once a week. Okay. (laughs) We had a new client that came on. I'm like, let's talk about your books. And he's like, oh yeah, I've got books. I'm like, great. Who does them? My accountant does them. I'm like, fabulous. What he didn't quite mention was that his accountant did them once a year. I'm like, yeah, no, no, you, no, 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 no. We're going to have to fix that. <laughs> and what is the benefit? And again, this, this may seem really obvious to you, but to someone who hasn't maybe done this, is maybe starting their law firm, this, is, this might be a newsflash to them. What are some of the benefits that, that a law firm owner can get if they have a good bookkeeper, if they're actually able to forecast cash coming in on a you know, weekly or biweekly basis? Well, so uh, let me tell you about one of our clients. Um, Great group of guys. They were doing about a million dollars a year. They had, I don't know, 25 employees. And I went to see them. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about your books. And I got kind of some blank stares. And I said, well, you're using QuickBooks, right? And they're like, what's QuickBooks? I'm like, oh, man. Okay. Um. How do you all know how much money you have? Oh, we checked the bank balance. Like, uh huh. And then what happens? Well, if we have to write a check, we kind of go and check with all the partners to see if anybody wrote a check that's still outstanding. And, you know, and if not, and we can afford it, then we, we write a check. And I'm like, oh my Lord, because how often did they write a check and then something cleared that someone had forgotten about? right? I mean, that happens all the time. And so I said, okay, first thing we're going to do is we're going to get you a bookkeeper. And so I helped them find an outside bookkeeper that came in, did their books part-time. She was awesome. And they came back to me about six months later and they're like, oh my God, this is so awesome. We know how much money we have always. I can always look. 
And I'm like, yes, you do. Isn't that a great feeling? He's like, this makes such a difference. And I'm like, okay, now we're going to take the next step. And I'm going to teach her how to forecast your, your revenue. And I did. And they were like, oh my gosh, you would have thought the heavens opened up and the angels sang. He was like, he was like, I thought knowing how much money I had was a good thing. He's like, that's nothing. Now I know how much money I'm going to have every week for the next six to eight weeks. He's like, that's life-changing. Now I can sleep at night. Now I know that I can make payroll or not make payroll. Now I know whether I could spend on that marketing campaign or not. He's like, it just gives me all kinds of confidence. It's amazing. And I'm so glad you shared that story. And since we're talking about stories, I'd love to hear, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but I would love to hear your best story about accounts receivables aging, which is also something that can be a problem if they only look at their bank account. Oh, geez. AR aging. Let me, I, I can't think of a really good one. You Are you thinking of one in particular? It's it's happened to me before where, uh, so Attorney entrepreneurs, again, accounts receivable is the money you're owed. You've already invoiced it to a client. They haven't paid you yet. So it goes in this category called accounts receivables. And that can actually you know, drag out quite some time. Uh, this is assuming, of course, that they have no more retainers left and you weren't replenishing those retainers like perhaps you should be doing. But that's a whole separate conversation. Well, and here's the thing about, about AR. Really, it's a loan you have made out of your own pocket to a client. So you have done the work, you have billed for it, and now you have paid your employees that did the work, and now you're waiting for them to pay you. Here's the thing. Check with your spouse. How excited is your spouse that you've got $150,000 of AR, that you're owed $150,000? You know, I've seen some people that you know, say it's, oh, well, that client will pay me when I really need it. And I don't want to have to pay tax on it this year. So I'm just going to let it right. No, this is not a piggy bank. This is not a way to gain your taxes. Yeah. It's not a rainy day fund. Sorry. Yeah. And this is, this is money that you have loaned out of your own pocket. Don't do that. So yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, specific when it comes to to AR. Um, I think it's created the first time you ever meet a client. It's created in the sales call. And the way to keep it from being created, we call it the AR puzzle. The first piece is get an initial retainer. The second piece is have an evergreen retainer. So your initial retainer should be about equal to the first three months of work. The evergreen retainer should be an average three months of work. And LA, should I go through the why three months thing? Yes, that'd be great. Okay. So let's think about this. Month one, you do the work, right? You work for all of June. You bill it out on July 1st. Great. I don't care what your bill says. I don't care if it says due upon receipt, due in five days, 10 days. Everybody thinks they have 30 days. So now you're working all the way through July. This is month two, right? Working through July, finally at the end of July, well, let's say the 1st of August, you send out the bill. You've now worked for June and July. You've been paid something. You've been paid nothing. And all of a sudden, the client's now like, oh, I owe you. 
right? Because they've had that first bill now for 30 days. Oh, okay, I'll owe you. I'll, I'll pay you. So it's not until August, it's not until that month three, when you're still doing the work, and now they are just now past due, that you find out whether you've got a deadbeat for a client or not. And so many people tell me, okay, Brooke, well, I got the initial retainer. It was equal to three months. It went well. The client continued to pay me. Why in the world do I need to have an evergreen retainer? They've, they've, they've proven that they'll pay me. And my thing is, look, a client will stop paying you at any time for any reason. And it rarely has anything to do with you. It has something that's happening in their life. So don't let them do that. So have an initial retainer, an evergreen retainer, have a stop work policy. It doesn't have to be fancy, but have one. The best one I ever saw was a red rubber band. And the law firm put a red rubber band around any client file you couldn't work on. And if anyone saw a file with a red rubber band or even just the red rubber band sitting around, someone's like, whoa, 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 you're working on a file you're not supposed to work on. That is awesome. Isn't that great? <laughs> and then, you know, you have to set client expectations. And the client expectation is that you are going to be paid every month on time. And I was, I had a client in New York. She was actually a tax attorney. And she had this whole thing in her fee agreement about, you know, if you don't pay, then we're going to put a lien on a piece of property and we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. And I'm like, dude, you are inviting them not to pay you. You have told them how they can get out of paying you. And these people have already proven they don't like to pay. Hence, the fact that they're in a fight with the IRS. So set the expectation. I'm going to be paid on time every single month. And the way you get all of these things done is through your fee agreement. So have a fee agreement. And the hardest clients to train that way properly are the ones you already have. So the oh, sooner gosh, you get started on it, the better, because it's very yeah. hard to change those expectations once they're set. It is um, super hard. One of the things that you like to mention, Brooke, is... Um, that sales is not the go-to solution for today's small business owners. So what would you say it actually is? Um, I would say that it is really your ideal ratios and it's, it's proper sizing. So most, we believe in running a law firm on the rule of thirds. One third of revenue goes to people, one third goes to overhead and one third goes to profit. And when we talk to most law firms, they're not spending 30% on, on their people. They're spending 40, 50, 60, even 70%. And what's happening is the people aren't right-sized for their firm. And that's the first place you got to look. Awesome. So following those ratios, getting that rule of thirds in place. Tell us a little bit about Cathedral Capital. Who is a great client for you and how you help your clients? So... We help make law firms more profitable. We do this because, and, and you know this, LA, every decision you make in your law firm is going to show up in your numbers. It's all there. Um, so what we do is we really work with a client to go through not only the numbers on their financials, but the data that's contained in their practice management system, in QuickBooks, in any any other location where we can find data to help you make decisions that will make you more profitable. 
whether that's redesigning comp plans, whether that is deciding which marketing plan is working and which one isn't, um, whether it's reorganizing the way you do work, everything impacts your numbers. And because we are primarily initially, you know, we started as a CFO company, we've added other services, but, but that is where we can go in and we can see everything that's happening. So you asked about our ideal clients. Our ideal clients are fast-growing law firms, usually that have revenues over a million. Um, and our goal is to help them grow to the point where they need to hire their entire financial function in-house and they outgrow us. Love that. One of the sponsors of this, of this podcast is Get Staffed Up. Have you worked with them before? Oh my gosh. Yes. I love Brett and his whole crew. They are awesome. And being able to hire someone, what's his most expensive person? I think $2,100, $2,300 a month, something like that. For a full-time individual, they can do amazing things for your for your firm, especially when we're talking about marketing and intake. If you're an immigration firm, he is a godsend because... You can have some a $2,000 a month person searching for all those little pieces of paper and all that data that you need to be able to file someone's immigration forms. And it makes your life a lot easier now, right? I imagine because now you have a team that can provide you with a lot of the financial information. Once you've set it up, they can run it and continue to send it your way. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. So I've got to ask you this because we don't talk about this enough on this podcast. I, I admit it. Let's talk about company culture a little bit. So yeah. one of the things I've heard you say is that your company culture sets you apart in the industry. Just tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about that. When I started this company, there were a couple of things that all kind of came together at the same time. The first one was I love to travel and I wanted to work either four days a week or three day or three weeks a month, one or the other, so that I could travel a lot. And I realized at the same time that there are a lot of women who are so smart and have an incredible skill set, and they've left the workforce to raise their children. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna build a company of part-time people. So a lot of our CFOs work between carpools. They're there to take their children to school in the morning. They are there to pick them up in the afternoon. They are absolutely dedicated to their job in between, but it's 100% mom. And it's like that even for our full-time people. In our company, you never miss a school play or a field trip. We're flexible, which is incredible. We're also a team. Um, we learned early on that giving a law firm one CFO isn't going to meet their needs. So we build a team for every client that comes in. They get a CFO, an analyst, a controller, and a bookkeeper. Whether we're doing their books or not, we have learned that we need to be a resource for their entire company, not just for the owner. Because let's face it, that owner's a bottleneck. So we need to be able to go around them. We need to talk to the other people in the firm. That's terrific. I love the approach. Um, I love that you're not just staying pigeonholed in that CFO, part-time CFO, because I've seen that that person sometimes has blinders on and they end up you know, pointing to other 
other professionals who aren't as tightly integrated in the firm. But the team approach, you know, if it's got dollars and cents you're involved, that's terrific. Um, and of course, I love the cultural component, working with lots of stay-at-home moms and moms. Um, it's awesome. And it's such an underutilized resource in this country. My gosh. Um, one of the things I write about in my book too is, uh, look, this is an area, if you're looking to bring on some great talent, talk to moms who are staying at home because they have the pedigree, they have the experience. They just need a little bit of flexibility. And if you can provide that, they're going to do amazing work for you. Yeah. And we're a virtual company. We have been since day one. So long before the pandemic. Love it. Works for us. Yeah, it does. I'm glad to hear that. And that also helps you serve clients uh, coast to coast, which is really nice too. Absolutely. And you're also an author. So you wrote the book From Panic to Profit. Tell me a little bit about why you wrote the book and what it's about. So I wrote the book really because I have encountered so many law firms, so many owners that were struggling to grow, that are afraid of their numbers. And and frankly, they were too small for us to help. We could not, at a price point that was reasonable for them, give them the help they needed to grow. And I'm like, if I can put this in a book, if I can write this so attorneys can DIY it, so that they can get the grasp of the financials that they need to grow, to be a little bigger, so that they can get more help. And that's terrific. Thank you for doing that for the community at large, because not everyone can afford it or is in the right headspace to be able to afford those services. And so, hey, if nothing else, if 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 they can get that and just get some insight into their numbers and maybe work on a couple of things, you know, that will have been a fabulous return. So where's the best place for them to get the book if they want to get it? Oh, wait, it's an Amazon bestseller. Oh, okay. <laughs> and when was it published? So it's actually a series. The one for attorneys was published in 21. No, 20. In 21, we published one for just for straight entrepreneurs. Love it. Love yeah. it. And if people want to connect with you, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to do that? Our website, cathcap.com, C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. Or you can always email me, brooke at cathcap.com. Awesome. Brooke, really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thank you so much for being a terrific guest. Thanks. I really appreciate it. That is Brooke Lively, CEO of Cathedral Capital. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.